Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is John Burkett. John, as we all know, is a former Major League Baseball pitcher. He just got back from Las Vegas. Thought it would be great to catch up with him, see how he did, and his thoughts on the World Series of Bowling. So, John... I want to thank you for joining me today. No problem. Uh, anytime. I enjoy being on. Well, John, I thought we'd chat with you after you just returned home from the World Series of Bowling out in Las Vegas. So first off, starting off, how did you prepare for the bowling and the amount of games and the short amount of time that you're going to have to be bowling out in Vegas? I've never really had a, a big problem uh, you know, bowling a lot of games. So, I mean, I, I was bowling quite a bit you know, at the training center here. And then uh, they got busy with some, uh, they had some Team USA stuff, I think, or whatever. I don't know what it was, some yeah, junior gold or some, I can't remember what it was, but I couldn't get in there very much in the last 10 days. But that was probably kind of a good thing to kind of let my body recover a little bit uh, and you know, be fresh whenever I went to the World Series. So that's kind of how I looked at it. I, I never had a problem bowling seven, eight games uh, a day, maybe 10 games a day. And then, uh, and then yeah, I got a little break before, so I was, I was ready to go. And mentally, how did you prepare? Because a lot of times, bowlers, we focus so hard on the physical game, we kind of let that mental game kind of slide a little bit. How did you mentally prepare for this? I, mean, I didn't really think about the mental part of it, but I, I was just really surprised, uh, especially when when the lanes got difficult for me and uh, maybe I wasn't making the correct adjustments. You shoot a lot of spares, and you know, you want to make your spares, so that that becomes a grind too. You can't just walk up there and you know throw it. I mean, you got to you got to be uh, you got to concentrate. So that you know, it takes some of your mental uh, strength away from you. It's it's amazing when you bowl that many days in a row and uh, you know that many games. How much you do get you know get tired by the end of the blocks. You got to try to avoid uh, getting tired and shooting bad games at the end. 
Um, so I have to ask you: Have you bowled? Have you bowled back league in your your uh, Dallas Fort Worth area DFW? Have you had a chance to bowl league? Because I can imagine your first night of league, you're probably going to be like shooting seven eighty or eight hundred because of the fact <laughs> that you're bowling on all that tough stuff. And then you go to your house where you can basically hit three arrows and strike, right? Yeah, probably. I, 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 you know, I'll see how it goes, but uh, I haven't done it yet. I bowl on Thursday, and uh, we're speaking on Tuesday, so. I've got two more days before I can I can uh, bowl league, but uh, I'll tell you what though. Sometimes I have a hard time with league conditions. The wet dry just you know gets to me. I, sometimes I kind of like a blended uh, you know pattern better, but we'll see what happens. I think over you know over time it definitely is much easier uh, you know with bowling the league conditions. But sometimes whenever I go from bowling a flat pattern to a league condition, you know, the ball gets so jumpy off the dry. Uh, sometimes I struggle. So, how would you rate your performance out in Vegas this year? Well, it was better than the summer swing. I, you know, I say I can't remember what I. Uh, I think I averaged like two hundred one or something at the summer swing or something like that, and I averaged uh, like two hundred five, two hundred six here. So I did better, but I'm still disappointed and think I could do much better. Uh, the scorpion, the scorpion is the pattern I was most. Disappointed in. I started out 105 over in the first four games, and then I uh, just got completely lost. I mean, and it can happen out there. I mean, I saw I saw Jason Belmonte shoot 134. Uh, I saw somebody else, uh, Don Barrett, shoot 124. So I mean, there was there was times where you could just get completely lost, and I shot 150, 160 the last two games of my Scorpion block, which just killed me. You know, so I I think I ended up in the 120s, and I was I was pushing the cut I think at one time I never look at the sheets I never look at the standings I just try to bowl as well as I can and put up as many pins as I can but someone told me after it was over that after five games I think I was like 30th or something like that overall I mean I, I'm, I'm somewhat happy with how I did I, I missed one single spin in 36 games counting the regional uh, the rest were splits and uh, a couple chop six tens and uh, three six nine ten which is almost impossible to make out there uh, you have to move left and just throw it hard, and so I chopped that twice. But uh, overall, I mean, I made pretty much all my spares, and you know, the rest were washouts and splits. So, well, yeah, you talk about how a, a bad game can really just sneak up on you, especially on the tour, because of the pace that you guys are going at. There really isn't a lot of time always to process your shot and think about what your move needs to be because you're pretty much almost up. So, um, did were you able to take any advice, or did anyone give you any good advice at when you were struggling or even after the tournament to say, Hey, here's a couple things, you know, to help with, you know, to help with some of those low games or help, you know, improve your game. Not really. I, I, I do want to uh, talk to some people about that kind of thing. And that's, that's what I really need to learn. I, if you look at my games, if you go online and look at my games, I mean, I, I know I threw like a bunch of like two thirty games followed by one sixties and one set, you know, it just seems like whenever I bowled a big game that we'd move pairs and it would, they were just so different from pair to pair. Uh, it was amazing. And uh, Michael Haugen actually told me afterwards. He said, "Hey, he goes, give me a call in a few days after everything settles down." And he said, "I, you know, we'll, I'll talk to you because he said our ball roll is pretty similar." So he said, "I think I can really help you." So I'm definitely going to take him up on that. What parts of your physical game are you working on before you begin uh, the PBA 50 tour? Well, Rod Russ at the uh, training center, he stopped me one day and, and uh, had me working on a couple of things that I think was, was a big help. 
but I still need to work on it a lot, you know, to to get it uh, muscle memory. But I shuffle my first step a little bit. My my I'm a five stepper, so my first step is with my left foot, and it goes to the, out to the left, and then my push away goes to the right. So uh, he was trying to get me to, you know, take that left foot over in front of my right foot for the first step, and uh, and think about my push away being more left. So when you think about it, my left, I'm thinking about my left foot going right and my push away going left. So that's kind of a tough adjustment to make. But I think it really made my uh, approach a lot more consistent. And I noticed that I was sliding in, you know, within like a two or three board area, which I, I think that was another problem that I had before. Was sometimes I would drift more than others, and uh, I drift a little bit to the left. So, uh, you know, I need to be consistent. And that's what Rod said. Is he, he said, I don't care how much you drift because you just need to be end up in the same spot. So, you know, I thought that was really interesting, and it's something I'm still working on. Joining us for a quick update on what's happening over at Bowling This Month is Bowling This Month owner, Bill Semsrat. Hi, Tim. So I've got three new Bowling This Month articles I'd like to quickly highlight this week. So first up, we've got an article from Rob Motner with a summary of some of the different ways that the ball manufacturers classify their products on their website. So, you know, this is a, a really useful article for people who are trying to to, to get a better grasp of what kind of balls are available and how they how those balls are related and, and grouped by the various manufacturers. Next up, I've got an article from a new BTM contributor named John York. John's a collegiate coach and a USBC Silver Certified coach, and his first article is on how to make sure your mental game is keeping up with your physical game as you advance and, and progress as a bowler. And finally, we've got part two of Tyrell Rose's article series on performance analysis for bowlers where he explains the differences between bowlers who underachieve and bowlers who underperform. Uh, and then he, he discusses some specific improvement approaches for these two types of bowlers. Uh, so for these articles and many more on a, on a wide variety of bowling topics, please check out bowlingthismonth.com. Back to you, Tim. Again, joining me on the Above180.com podcast is former Major League Baseball player John Burkett. John, when you were bowling the World Series of Bowling, the Baseball World Series was going on. We'd love to get your thoughts on what was actually going through your mind when you were watching Madison Bumgartner pitch and his performance during the World Series. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, to, you know, he's 25. So I, somebody asked me when we were out there if I could have done that. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying I could have done it nearly as well as he could have, but I actually feel like I could I could pitch a couple days after I started. You know, when I was in my mid 20s, but. I'll tell you what, when you get in your 30s, 35, you, I just couldn't even imagine it. You know, and you saw Randy Johnson do that kind of thing. I mean, not pitch relief, but pitch on, you know, two and three days rest. But it was just amazing what he did. I mean, to to have such a great series like he already did and then volunteer to you know, put his butt on the line for, you know, and, and pitch five innings of relief. Is that what it was? I think five innings of relief. Exactly. Uh, game seven. Yeah, pretty amazing performance. And uh, he earned himself the... World Series MVP, and then they won the World Series championship. I, I always said, that's another thing people ask, would you would you like to win the Cy Young Award? Are you, you know, disappointed you never won a Cy Young Award? I said, I've always said the most, to me, if I ever won an individual award, the World Series MVP has got to be the best award to win because whenever your teammates call upon you to, to you know, do well in a big spot and to be able to do that, uh, I think that would be the ultimate so 
can you foresee any any sorts of issues or what what do you think is what is his schedule going to be or what if you were his pitching coach what would your schedule be for him moving forward now I mean obviously we're in the off season so he's not going to be throwing you know much at all now but as far as next would you even hold him back a little bit in spring training next year would you be really you know not even let him touch a ball for for quite a while in spring training uh, he's a big, strong kid, you know. I mean, he's 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 a big kid. Uh, I would really wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, I think they'll treat it the same way. I'm sure he's in a rest just like he always does. You know, as baseball players, just like any other athlete, you kind of have your own system and the way you do things. Uh, he probably won't deviate that from that because of you know, the great season that he had. So uh, I'm sure he'll probably do much the same. Spring training's pretty easy anyway. You know, they don't. I think you end up going five innings once at the end, you know, so it's, it's pretty much, uh, you know, kind of a cruise anyway in spring training. Yeah. Not like he's fighting for a roster spot or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to make a, make the team or anything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they start you out with one inning and two innings and, you know, so on. And you, and you work your way up to like five, you might pitch six innings at the end. Uh, just depends on how you feel. If you feel like you need to work, then you, then you lengthen it out a little bit. And if you don't, then you don't, you know, they kind of, Ask you and and uh, give you know you, you let them know uh, where you're at and what you need. It's too much made of pitch counts these days. I mean, you talk about Randy Johnson and back when you were playing. Is it are, are we sometimes too protective of these uh, these guys in their twenties? Uh, uh, probably, uh, but you know the game is just always changing. I mean, look at the Kansas City Royals. You know they play the, they they play the six inning game. You know, so. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it was because they want their starters out, you know, because their pitch count. I don't think so. I think it was just a matter of their believers just being so good. But you're right. There are a lot of these young guys I see that are on pitch counts that, I, to me, I never, I, I think the, the more you throw, the stronger you get. I actually threw the day after I pitched on the side. So you got to get to work the soreness out and that kind of thing. I had a pitching coach in the Meyer leagues that uh, got me started on that. And I, I just loved it. And I always did it ever since. Not many guys do that, but I would highly recommend it. I, w- I would just bring the catcher in front of home plate and just go through the motion. That way you get get on the mound again because playing catch is nothing like throwing on the mound. It's a lot more strenuous on your body, but also getting on the mound an extra time in between starts made me more comfortable with my mechanics. So I always liked doing that, even though I was throwing it nice and easy with the, with the catcher in front of home plate, just getting on the mound again right after I pitched. The next day I'd feel much better, the stiffness, you know, that – all that soreness would leave you the next day and uh, get you back on your recovery. And then I'd throw again on the side and then take a day off and then pitch. All right, Jeff. so uh, so I, I was I've always been a proponent of throwing, and uh, the more you throw, the stronger you're going to be. But these teams just have so much so much invested in these guys. I think they they're more scared of it than I don't I don't know how real it is. You know, I think they're just more wanting to protect their investment. Final question, John. We're going to head back to bowling here. What balls did you end up throwing a lot at the World Series? I know there's um, a lot of great stuff out there these days, but what did you end up throwing uh, most of the time at the World Series? Uh, well, I threw a crux uh, quite a bit, and, uh, the badass by Ebonite, both great balls. You know, the, the, the crux I was using more on the fresh, uh, and then when they break down a little bit, the badass had a little more flip on the back end for me. And so I would I would go I'd move to that. Uh, I used uh, the Venom Shock from Motive uh, and the Fresh in a couple squads. I've always liked an IQ Tour solid when they break down. That's one of my favorite balls to go to. 
I use the outcry a little bit, hysteria a little bit. But for the most part, the, the crux and the badass were probably the uh, the two balls I had in my hand the most. Excellent stuff, John. Just wanted to catch up with you when everything was still fresh in your head. So I appreciate the time and uh, all, all, the, all the best of luck. And uh, by all means, we'll uh, we'll be chatting with you later. Okay. All right, Tim. All right.